I will flat out tell you, God has done so much. And I have come to the place of being able to fully accept and believe what my husband tells me Yeah, that's good. that what you're saying about, you know, your sex life and stuff, things are better now mm-hmm. with me, not even looking like I did after I had my daughter. Yeah. So I thought I was upset about it. Then I should have just waited, you know, yeah. <laughs> like things being worse now than they were then in some ways. Yeah. Um, I have more freedom yeah. and more peace and more confidence now. <laughs> Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compared to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to the Compared to Who show. I'm Heather Creekmore. You're listening to Compared to Who on the Edify Podcast Network. And today we are talking about pregnancy and body image. Now, if you've had a baby or if you think someday you may have a baby, this may be a topic that is very relatable to you. If this has not been part of your experience, hey, consider sharing this with someone you know who's maybe recently had a, had a baby because this might be just what she needs to hear. But today my guest is Rebecca Hargraves and Rebecca and I are going to dig into this sticky topic. Let me tell you just a little bit about Rebecca before we get started and she says hello. She's a wife, a mom, a blogger, a podcaster, and an author whose passion is to edify, equip, and encourage women in their journey of biblical womanhood, particularly with an emphasis on the gospel and its implications for everyday life. Rebecca's first book, Lies Women Believe and How the Gospel Refutes Them, released in 2017, and The Lies Lies Moms Believe Companion Bible Study came out in 2018. You can find her on her website, but you can also find her podcast. And I was a guest on that podcast. I guess it was back in 2021. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. But Rebecca, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for inviting me to be. I've been looking forward to this. Yay. So I had a lot of fun when I was on your show. It's good to get to know you a little bit. And I forget really even how it came up that we were talking and you said something about body image during pregnancy. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do a series on that. Like, you want to talk about that? And you jumped in. That was so neat. I don't know how many people would sign up for that. (laughs) Would you mind telling us just tell us a little bit about your story, like what your struggle with comparison and body image has been like, and, you know, and then if you want to take it to how that affected you during pregnancy, that's great too, but just let us get to know you a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'm so thrilled to be here. This is a joy, such an honor. Um, so growing up, I I feel like really actually my, and maybe this is why I jumped at this. (laughs) I feel like my body image issues really did amp up during pregnancy and postpartum. Mm. Um, so maybe that's why it's just like, Oh yes, I will will talk about that. (laughs) Um, because prior to that, I think my experience was rather normal for a lot of girls. Um, 
as a teenager, I would, you know, I would be down on myself for the fact that, oh, my, my stomach wasn't flat as my friend's stomach was, or, you know, like my thighs were, you know, larger or whatever, like things like that. But I never developed an eating disorder. I never, you know, it it wasn't to that extent. I think it was just a very normal kind of common, unfortunately, um, level of comparison as a teenager. So I, I always had that in my head. That was always body image was always something that I thought a lot about in that sense, yeah. but it wasn't so bad that it was debilitating or that okay. it had a huge, you know, adverse impact per se. Um, but my husband and I got married, um, when I was 21 and we actually found out we were expecting on our two month wedding anniversary. Ah, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we're, I think we found out, let's see. I was pregnant February. We got married in October. So uh, four or five months, but yeah, not, not too long either for us. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but for me, I think, so at first, you know, I was just excited. You know, we were Mm -hmm. open to whenever that happened. We didn't think it was going to happen that fast, but (laughs) so we were surprised, but we were open to it. Of course, we were excited. And at first, everything's good. I think really during pregnancy itself, that wasn't all that bad in terms of body image, but man, as soon as I had our daughter, like Mm. it was the postpartum body image. It was so bad. It was so, so bad. And I think a large part of it was our story, our timeline. So in my head, like we, my husband, I'd never been together before marriage. Right. So So in my mind, I'm telling myself this story when I'm here in this postpartum season, we've been married less than a year. I'm telling myself, oh, he only got to see me in my pre-baby body for a very short amount of time, you know? Uh (laughs) And I honestly, I remember the thought running through my head. My husband's been gypped. Like Mm. literally that thought would repeatedly go through my head. My husband has been gypped. He Mm. got to see the pre-baby me, even though in my mind, it wasn't perfect. You know, I still Uh like, I had those thoughts, but I just remember thinking he's been gypped. He only saw me in that form for so long. And then we've been married less than a year. And now look at me. And it was hard. I remember, um, and my husband never made me feel this way. This is all me. I remember, you know, knowing that we had about a six week break. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was going to be really no intimacy happening for six weeks. And I remember being thankful for that. I remember Mm -hmm. being thankful that I, I remember the thought going through my head. I'm glad that I can hide behind this medically expected break. Mm -hmm. And then I won't have to be intimate. I won't have to fully bear all, so to speak. I won't have to like go there and like have my husband see me fully, um, feeling the way I do right now. And I just, I was, I was thankful for that to hide behind. Yeah. And when I finally told my husband that, cause I did finally tell him that he was so, so sad about it because mm. that was never something that he ever, like I said, he didn't put that on me. He never said anything negative. He never, like, he didn't even, it was so far from his mind that when I told him like how I, what I had been thinking, how debilitating these thoughts were, how it was impacting yeah. my desire to be with him. Um, he was so saddened by it because mm. that had never crossed his mind. He had yeah. never thought, obviously he knew I looked different, but it, for him, I think we as wives oftentimes do not understand because we know how we look, how we used to look, how we look now, how we feel about how we look. Like we know yeah. how we feel about all of that. And we cannot imagine our husband's not feeling the same way. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time, like even when he would be so sweet, like in that moment and thereafter, and, and he would just talk about, well, you're still so beautiful. And, and, you know, any kind of like what you see is like a, a problem, like that's a sign that you, you carried a life. 
if yeah. you gave us a daughter, like for him to see those things that I didn't like for him, that was like, look what you did. Like, mm-hmm. look by God's grace, look what you did. Mm-hmm. And that's a sign of the family we now have. And so I, for a long time, I, I would, oh, you're just sweet. You're just being sweet, you know? Uh-huh. And I, I wouldn't actually accept what he was saying. I just thought, yeah. well, you're just being nice. And that also made him sad <laughs> because he would compliment me all the time. And I'd be, I it would go in one ear and out the other. Yeah. I would not accept it. You're just being nice. You have to yeah. say that you're my husband. What else are you going to say? Yeah. And finally he's like, I, okay, I need you to believe that I mean what I'm telling you. I yeah. need you to literally just sit a minute and what I'm telling you right now, I need you to let it sink in. I need you to believe what I'm saying, because the more you don't believe it, it's, it's, that's coming in between us. Like, I want you to walk in this freedom. I want you to know how I truly view you, but you're not seeing it. And it's causing a problem here. It's making you uncomfortable. It's causing a problem. I need you to believe it. Yeah. And that was hard. But once I started to actually Uh, like accept it. It was still hard for me to believe it, but like to accept that what you are saying is how you feel. It is your, right. It is truth for you that you're telling me it did. It did help a lot. Well, yeah, because so I I've coached a number of women who we have the same conversation, right? Like husbands, like I ask, well, what does your husband say? Like, is your husband disappointed with your body? Cause I mean, there are situations like, and so much compassion and grace, but I do have women reach out to me all the time who are telling me their husband wants their body to change. Or I've even had the heartbreaking messages. My husband doesn't want us to have another baby because he doesn't mm-hmm. like what it does to my body. So, so those situations aside like that, that's very, you know, <laughs> That's super hurtful. And there's so much I could say to that. In fact, I was going to bring my husband on to address that at one point and we just never got the time to do it. But, um, but there's, there's a lot I could say there, but just back to what you were saying, when he gives us a compliment or when he says how he feels or what, you know, he sees, right. For us to turn around and be like, yeah, that's not true. I mean, it totally is invalidating of his, like, we wouldn't want to be treated like that. You know, I mean, like, just to be honest, like, yeah, I like chocolate ice cream. No, you can't like chocolate ice cream. No, you're not allowed to have that opinion. But no, really, I like chocolate ice cream. Like, that's my favorite. No, no, can't have that. I mean, that's, it's kind of the equivalent, right? We're saying, no, sorry, you're, you're just, you must just be dumb. That's not, that's not a good opinion. Right. And so it's so, it's so easy for us to do that. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm being a little glib with it. It's so easy and so common for us to do it, but we really have to back it up and think, wait a second here. I, I get the opportunity to validate my husband's opinion. And this is one I should be agreeing with. I mean, now if his opinion is, you know, I don't know. There's all kinds of directions we go with that, but, um, Hey, Hey there friend. Have you read the burden of better yet? The burden of better is my book. That's all about comparison, but really it's about how to let go of all of the ideals you have driving the way you think you should look, the way you think your family should be, the way you think your home should be, all the things. If you are looking for someone to take the pressure off and show you a new way to live in Christ, a life filled with grace and not comparison, then you want to read The Burden of Better. So snag a copy today, Amazon, ChristianBook.com, 
walmart.com, wherever you get your Christian books, grab a copy or download the Kindle copy. And guess what? At the end of this month and at the end of March and at the end of April, we're going to go through the book together. So grab a copy today so you'll be ready for our little virtual podcast book club. Friends, I think this book can change your life. I know so many of you have read Compared to Who, and I'm grateful for that. And it blesses me so much to hear how Compared to Who has worked in your life. But friends, let me tell you, the burden of better will touch you maybe even more than compared to who did. So check it out today. Also, like just to take this like to a gospel perspective, right? So much of what you're saying, I was like, oh yeah, we could also apply the same to God, right? Like God says certain things about us and our bodies and what's our response to him so often. It's like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, God. I know (laughs) what you're saying. But what's really important is how I feel about me. Mm. That's what's important. And then, you know, kind of going back to also what you were saying just about being intimate, you know, when we go into those situations thinking about me, me and how I look and how he thinks I look. And, and again, like filling in the blanks for him, right? right. Even if he says the right things, we still fill in the blanks. Like, yeah, you're just saying that you, you don't really believe that because no one right. can really believe that. Right. And, but, but it's right. like, it's, it's so I mean, it's, it's not what sex is supposed to be about, mm-hmm. right? Like that, that's not, I mean, if we're, when we're in our heads, it never, I mean, at least personally, it does not go well, Absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah. You just, cause you're just, you're, you're not able to relax and function. Exactly. exactly. So, yeah. I think that's all good stuff. Well, so, so it's interesting. So you said you didn't really feel it till after. But now you were young. So I was a little, I was older. I was about a decade older than you when I had my first baby. I was 31. Um, and so for me, it was like, yay, I don't have to diet anymore. Yes. I can eat all the things and no one's going to be mad at me. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you had this experience or not, but did you like, how did you do with weigh-ins? Did that bother you at all? Or you were just kind of excited it's- to be gaining baby weight? It's funny. It it didn't really seem to, for whatever okay. reason, I, <laughs> the way in, you know, trying to keep up with that after I had the baby, that was another story. Yeah. Um, but I guess maybe because I'd always wanted to be a mom. I had nannied for a long time, taking care of so many kids over the years. Like, I, I guess I just in that moment was like, Oh, this is part of like, it's okay. Like uh-huh. this is, this is good. And maybe part of it too, was with my daughter, like I primarily carried her all in front. Like that is, I mean, that is where the weight was, was literally uh-huh. right where she was. Uh-huh. Um, and so maybe that kind of helped with my son. That was different. He was all over. Like, <laughs> does that match I, that old wives tale? Like I just remember people thing? like analyzing me and trying to figure out whether yeah. or not I had a boy or a girl based on what, how I was carrying, but I don't know that I ever figured out which was, yeah, <laughs> wait, no, so is that, was, is that I the stereotype? Yeah. I think it was the opposite for us actually. Oh, opposite. Okay. I understand. I think, well, the other old wives tales, like you're more sick with a girl and all those things were totally spot on. But that one, I, from what I understand, I may have forgotten and gotten this mixed up, but I think it's like with a boy, you're more out in front and with a girl, you're kind of just all over. Um, and so that would be mixed, but I think maybe that helped. Maybe I was like, oh, well, you know, this isn't any big deal. Like I largely look the same except for uh-huh. this, little, this little, you know, bump here. And, and the thing about, you know, pregnancy for me is, you know, you look cute in, in certain things you wear, like you're not trying to suck your stomach in. You're not, trying, uh-huh. you know, it's different. <laughs> like I remember thinking, oh, I can look cute pregnant and, and in this outfit, like I've got these skinny jeans, maternity jeans, like this uh-huh. is cute, you know, and then postpartum and you've got 
this midsection, it's completely different and you're wanting to suck it in, but that's not really doing anything for you. And you know, and it's just, that's, I think was so hard is like the, even the weigh-ins and stuff like that during pregnancy didn't seem to be as big of a thing. It was just all over postpartum. So did Um, anything else change? Like your stomach changed, but did anything else change? Do you remember? So I'm trying to think, I don't really, not with, not with her as much, um, with my son, there was just a lot like with him. (laughs) I mean, he, I was so much larger with him, just Mm -hmm. even, even midsection, like so much larger with him. Um, I just remember looking at pictures and I, I looked heavier. I I mean, just everything with him was so different. Maybe that was the whole second, second pregnancy situation. Maybe it's because I was a couple years older. I don't know, but with him so different, so, so different. His pregnancy was harder too. Um, and what's interesting though, is even though that's the case, even though I weigh, I'm just gonna be honest, I, I weigh more now mm-hmm. than I did during a certain part of my pregnancy with my daughter. Uh-huh. Um, I had lost all the pregnancy weight when I had to go dairy free for my son. I was breastfeeding and he couldn't handle it. I will flat out tell you, God has done so much. And I have come to the place of being able to fully accept and believe what my husband tells me Yeah, that's good. that what you're saying about, you know, your sex life and stuff, things are better now. Mm-hmm. with me not even looking like I did after I had my daughter. Yeah. So I thought I was upset about it then. I should have just waited, you know, yeah. <laughs> like things being worse now than they were then in some ways. Yeah. Um, I have more freedom yeah. and more peace and more confidence now with my husband specifically than, you know, as a woman, obviously I can pick on myself about things, but, but in that area, yeah, I have so much more freedom and peace now. And it's not because I weigh less. It's just finally realizing he wasn't lying to me. He wasn't just trying to make me feel better. He was telling the truth. And then of course the gospel and the Lord and how he views me and all of that aspect as well. But it's just amazing. It goes to show like, it's the heart. It's not the number on the scale. Mm -hmm. It's that's not going to promise you what you're looking for. You know, ultimate joy is not when it's a smaller number and ultimate despair is not when it's a higher it's, it's really the heart and what God's doing in your heart and what, other things the Lord's kind of working in, that's really where it comes from. It's not, it's not ultimately the scale, even though for a while I thought the scale or the mirror, you know, were right. where it was at. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's so spot on. I mean, same, you know, same for me. So we had four babies in just over four years. So my youngest was born July 11th. And then in November, my oldest turned five. Wow. So you know, I was pregnant and I had a miscarriage in there in the middle of that. So I was pregnant pretty much the first five years of our marriage. (laughs) And I mean, and, you know, and then with all of my body image issues and control issues, I think that always go with body image issues and all the things, you know, it was, it was, it was a struggle. Um, But, you know, I remember going into pregnancy excited, not just because I wouldn't have to diet anymore, but because I think I really believed that naturally all of that brain space that I gave to like worrying about my body would go towards helping another little person stay alive. Right. Like I thought I was going to be too busy as a mom to like stress over what I look like. And that didn't happen. And then like, so 
becoming a mom was almost my crisis point of, I need another answer because I thought this was going to fix it. (laughs) And it didn't like, I still care too much. So, um, so yeah, like I, I, I mean, I think that encouragement is beautiful because it's so, it's so spot on that it's, it's not fixed by, you know, having the right weight or looking in the mirror and liking what you see, which is what I think body positivity, that movement has tried mm-hmm. to teach us just, you know, be proud of yourself and just think about how much you love yourself. No, I think it's like Tim Keller says, the freedom is really in the self forgetfulness mm-hmm. and it doesn't, that self forgetfulness doesn't come naturally, even when you have a house full of kids to take care of. <laughs> Right. It's like, so it's so much, uh, it's, it's a discipline in a way, but, uh, also just really trusting that, that what God says is good enough. Yeah. I was, but I asked you that question about if anything else changed, because for me, the strangest thing was my arms got longer. Mm, really? I, I know they got longer. It's really weird. Like, because <sighs> my jacket, so I'm, I'm from the Northeast. And so I had a ton of jackets and coats. And then we were living in, in California when my first two kids were born. And so I didn't really need my jackets and coats, but like the one time I put one on, it was like three inches too short. Like the sleeve was, it was the strangest thing. And so then I like tried them all on. I was like, what in the (laughs) world? And it wasn't like, it was no way. It was just because I was like, it wasn't because it was bigger up top. It wasn't about like buttoning or anything like that. It was just sleeve length. When you asked that question, I was thinking like specifically during pregnancy, I'm like, well, I don't know, but like in terms of like lasting, you know, things. So my foot size, like uh-huh. I was always at eight and a half. That uh-huh. was always eight and a half for years and years and years and years. Like my feet stopped like a bazillion years ago, eight and a half. And I'm a nine now. I cannot be in an eight uh-huh. and a half. Like I know that's only half a size. I get it. But but from what I've read, like that's literally something that happens sometimes to women after pregnancy is for whatever reason, your yeah. foot size is larger. Yeah, I think like your cartilage softens or something. And yeah. I don't know. But did your hair change? So my not a ton now, but I have a friend though who had stick straight hair always. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. When she was pregnant, it was suddenly curly all over the place. And uh-huh. then all of a sudden when she had her baby, it goes stick straight again. Huh. Like craziest thing. There's so many things that like now my hair grew really well, obviously in pregnancy, that tends to happen. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, there's some weird things like that that can yeah. happen that it's like, what how do, how does this affect I, this? <laughs> I would get perms like you know, when I was a teenager and into college, I get perms Mm -hmm. and they would never work. My hair was so straight. It would not curl. It just, it kind of lightened my hair and my parents wouldn't let me like bleach it. So I would kind of go get the perm (laughs) just so my hair would be lighter, but I couldn't, I mean, curl was just, it was work to get to curl and made it through three babies with the same hair. And the fourth one, uh, I, I got him all right. Well, had him and we were living in Texas and I went to a new hairdresser and she was like, well, you know, do you ever wear it curly? And I was like, why would I wear it curly? I don't have curly hair. And it's sure enough, <laughs> it had changed. So it's, it's, it's funny. It's there's fascinating. So, there's so many, you know, ways that it impacts us and so many different, you know, if, I guess if your identity was in your long straight hair <laughs> and it's girly it's like ah that's, yeah what that's just one example that? of you know when you find your identity in some aspect of mothering or motherhood or any stage of motherhood I mean 
I, I talk about this in the book that you referenced, like I, it, it does put you on a roller coaster of yeah. just, there's no even keel, like stability when right. you put our identity in something or someone or somewhere that it's not supposed to be in. It just has a, a negative impact for sure. Amen. It's all up and down and all around yeah. and, you know, and you don't have that peace that you have when you find your identity in Christ and that sure foundation that doesn't change no matter what your day is like, no matter what the number on the scale says, no matter what your hair looks like, you know, when you realize the sure stable foundation that your identities can be based in and is supposed to be based in, that's like, I didn't even realize I could live with this kind of freedom. Like I didn't yeah. realize I could have this kind of peace, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of craziness, you know, I can have yeah. this peace in this area because my identity is in Christ and Christ doesn't change and how he views me doesn't change, mm-hmm. you know? And I think there's so much peace to be found there that it makes a difference. Like just being able to rest, even in that one area makes a difference. <laughs> right. right. Well, I mean, and I know people like I've gotten st- or like messages from women who like pregnancy actually cured, cured might not be the right word. Forgive me practitioners for using a word that may not be accurate, but like pregnancy really helped their eating disorders Mm, because like people who were, you know, bulimic or Mm -hmm. not eating enough anorexic style, you know, once they were pregnant, they felt this renewed sense to care for their body. And so Mm. it's, it's interesting that for, I don't know if it's one-to-one, I shouldn't say for as many, but for some, right. If pregnancy can, can inspire all the issues and for others, it can bring, you know, bring relief, which goes Mm. back to, to, you know, kind of what you were just saying. It's, it's Mm. not about us and how we feel. Right. It's about the truth of the gospel. So yeah. your book is about lies that moms believe. Yes. And, and really, I mean, that's, that's what all this body image stuff is. It's <laughs> lies that we believe, right. Lies that we hang our hat on and like build our lives around fixing things that are just lies from the enemy. What are some of the other lies that you talk about in the book, Rebecca? Yeah. So this one about postpartum uh, issues is definitely in there, but there's 32 different lies (laughs) being addressed. So there are a lot of different ones. Um, One that has been, so there's a few that kind of go together, you know, the lie that you're supposed to be a perfect mom, Mm -hmm. the lie that you're supposed to have it all together and keep your act up. You know, you're supposed to like appear a certain way. Um, Your postpartum body is supposed to be a certain way. Your house is supposed to be a certain way. Um, you know, your identity is to be found in motherhood. Your ultimate fulfillment is to be found in motherhood. You know, the enemy oftentimes works in opposites. And so there's, there's a pair of lies in the book actually starts out the book is the lie on this side where the enemy, you know, comes at you and says, well, motherhood is your ultimate highest calling, which sounds good. Like, it sounds like a good thing. Like you're giving motherhood value and, and you're respecting it, but that can be a very hurtful lie to women that can't be moms. Mm -hmm. But it's also been damaging to me as a mom, because if I think motherhood is my ultimate highest calling, my priorities get out of whack. My mm-hmm. children are up here. My relationship with God's down here, which then affects my children because right. I'm not <laughs> with the Lord in the way I should. That's not going to go well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it affects you whether you're a mom or not, I think, in some way. But then also the enemy is over here talking to some people saying, well, yeah, that motherhood, that's not important. Mm-hmm. That's not important work. You're wasting your life. Your life is passing you by go out and do something else. Like just don't even worry about that. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different ones that are covered. I mean, I even go into like, you know, the lie that says that children ruin a marriage. Mm. Um, because in some ways that's kind of what 
I kind of thought during that postpartum season is okay, Mm -hmm. this, I love this baby. I'm grateful for this baby, but look what, look what she's done to, to this intimacy with my husband. Like, look what's happened, you know? And so these lies, it's funny. Like I knew going into it, there were certain ones that I had struggled with myself and I had reached out on social media to invite women to share with me lies that they had been struggling with also. And that I would, you know, see about including those and, and see how that went. And it was interesting as I would write, like I would just pour over scripture. Like, you know, you write a book and you're hoping to be encouraging to other people, you know, this, like that's your goal, yeah. but then God uses it for you. It's for you. Yeah, absolutely. And you just are <laughs> amazed by that fact. Because <laughs> in pouring over scripture by necessity to write this book, um, it showed me that, mm-hmm. oh, well, I didn't think I was dealing with that lie that this lady submitted, but as I'm trying to like, okay, what does scripture say? I'm like, oh goodness. No, I, I that lie isn't here. I didn't realize yeah. it, but it is. Yeah. I absolutely have believed that. And so I wrote it with a desire to, to see other moms freed, but God freed me in it. You know, the That's lie awesome. about how you're supposed to be a perfect mom. Mm-hmm. That is something with my background of legalism um, that did a real number on me for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of where my comparison came into beyond body image specifically is, you know, well, so-and-so is doing this and -and so-and-so dresses like this and -and so-and-so's, you know, dating relationship looks like this and, you know, fill in the blank and mine's supposed to be like that. If it's not Mm -hmm. like that, then I'm failing and I'm bad and I'm sinning. And I'm, you know, with all these man-made standards, not actual like scriptural standards that we need to pay attention to, but like these other things. And so as I was writing about the slide that, you know, I have to be a perfect mom, it was amazing how God opened my eyes because I had read Romans 8, 1 many times. You know, I knew that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, but I think in my head, I had read it differently without realizing it. I had read it as there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, as long as they do everything they're supposed to. You yeah. know? <laughs> no, I get that. I totally get that. Right. Cause how could you be condemned if you're perfect? Right. So yes. be perfect. And then you won't be condemned. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 And I think the mistake I had made is that I had just kind of read Romans 8 by itself. Mm-hmm. And it's a great chapter. Don't get me wrong. It's wonderful. <laughs> read it. But I had to back up and I had to read the end of Romans seven because, oh man, when you do that, it is so powerful. And I never realized it before until, until this book, you know, at the end of Romans seven, Paul is lamenting what we so often lament of those things. I know I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Those are the ones I'm not doing. Mm-hmm. And the ones I know I'm not supposed to do, that's what I'm actually doing. And you can just hear the frustration of him. He's talking about what a wretched man that he is. Like he, mm-hmm. he delights in God's law, but he just can't seem to live it out, you know? And it's the immediate next verse though, but there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Yeah. And I just remember the moment of reading those together mm-hmm. and I just stopped dead in my tracks. I didn't even read on, like, I just, it was so impactful like the Holy Spirit just, just shone a light, you know, on that and illuminated that for me to realize, to put two and two together of, no, it's all about the gospel. It's all about when God, the father looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ, the son. That's what it is. It's not, did you dot all your eyes today? Did you cross all your T's today? Are you perfect? Did you, you know, present the perfect mom to your children? Or if you did not you know, you're going to ruin them and they'd be better off with someone else. Um, it's not about any of that. It's, it's right. knowing who you are in Christ, knowing how yeah. God looks at you and that that never changes, even on your bad days when you aren't really the best mom, you know, <laughs> it doesn't change and living in light of that freedom and that love and that grace and that, you know, lack of condemnation yeah. that then affects going forward, how you do live that that really sanctifies you knowing that, Oh, I don't have to strive. I don't have to be perfect. That mm-hmm. then inspires obedience, you know, in areas where you might mm-hmm. need to do 
little bit more of an obedience, you know, situation. Right. Um, it, that's what makes the difference. It's not the striving. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. I'm thinking about just the reality that, so you came from more of a legalistic background, I would say I probably did too, and a strong sense of justice, you know, and strong sense of morality and, you know, grace that's a good thing. We sang about it in church. <laughs> Probably didn't need it though. Cause I was going to be good enough without it. Right. And, and, you know, like that, like not that I would have ever articulated that for you ever, not once, but reality was, yeah. Like I was more like a Pharisee, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm pretty good. But, but then the interesting thing I think about like the legalistic background is that, and just even like the Pharisees as an example of that is that the way you look is what is most important, right? Because yeah. that's what people see. Yes. And so you're not as worried about your heart and the yick in your mm-hmm. heart. You're worried about what people see. And like, so weaving that into perfection and motherhood, right? It's like, well, I need to make sure that I like look really put together when we go to church and the kids are dressed really cute. Or when we go to Chick-fil-A that everyone like is very, you know, for the play date, like everyone is, you know, on their best behavior. And so everyone thinks that I'm a good mom and a perfect mom. And, you know, and I, I worry about my <laughs> outfit and, you know, like all these things, right. Because mm-hmm. I want you to see me in a certain way. And that is like, what's most important is the outside. Right. And, and I think the freedom of the gospel is like what you were just saying, you know, no, we don't have it all together, (laughs) but praise God. Like, I mean, and, and really, you know, I, I, I've talked about this on a number of shows. I don't talk about it on my own very much, but it's like, really, it's like, there's the list of things that Heather has to do to please Heather. Yeah. It's weird to talk about myself in the third person, but, <laughs> um, but you know, it's like, really, I have my like, oh, here's the things that Heather needs to do to approve of Heather today. Right. And I just have to picture Jesus standing there like, but wait a second, my list mm. isn't that long, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. like that's not exactly. my list, Heather, that's your list. And so yes. taking that pressure off. And so if you are a postpartum mom or a pregnant mom or thinking, I'm not sure if I want to have a baby someday, because I don't know what that's <laughs> going to do in my body. Like, just be encouraged, right? There is no extra pressure to look like the perfect pregnant person or, mm-hmm. or to like lose the weight like a celebrity did, you know, six <laughs> hours after leaving the hospital. Like, all of that's just bogus anyway. I yep. mean, I don't know. I, they used to say that most of them got like, was it like not liposuction? I don't know. But they got yeah. some nips and tucks yes. while they were getting the baby out. Yes. So, I mean, I'm not going to say that's true for everyone, but I'm just saying like <laughs> that, that, you know, you could do a lot with cameras and angles and lighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> and Spanx. <laughs> Yeah, all those things. Exactly. Right. So trying to keep up with them is so beyond what God has Mm. asked us for or even called us to, right? So that's something that's been that's something that's been really freeing. I was just gonna say, you know, I I think another thing that really I've struggled with a lot is the mommy wars. And that's Mm -hmm. been something that, you know, just is uh 
And one of the lies in the book is, you know, good moms do X, Y, Z. And what you just said there is something I wrote in the book, very similar. And I, I just, I feel like, ah, I know you're a kindred spirit. This is so fun. It fires me up. Um, you know, I, when I was writing the book, I realized that, you know, in this mommy wars culture, you are to feed your kids all organic. You are to, you know, depending on your circle, you're to homeschool. Um, you are to make sure you, you just work here at home. You're to not turn the car seat around until they're this age. <laughs> Um, I mean, I've heard all the things, right? Uh Like all the things you either, you know, feed on a schedule or you don't, you, Mm -hmm. all the things. (laughs) And I realized like that there's that such a heavy burden. You're trying Mm -hmm. to constantly keep up and do everything right. And it's impossible to meet all those standards, but you're, you're trying because that's the only way you can be a good mom. You're trying. But when I was writing this book, I realized, you know what, exactly what you said, the, the list of things that God wants from us or for us in our mothering is so small. Like you think about literally in scripture, you think about it. Okay. You're supposed to love your children, right? You're supposed to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Yeah. You're supposed to train them up in the way they should go. Yeah. Speak to them about the word, you know, as you're yep. laying Teach down, them. rising up. Yep. <laughs> Deuteronomy, that's yep. basically like, yep. that's basically it. And even with those things, there is no, this is precisely how you do it. You know, like there is no even like 10 step process. The only way you're fulfilling Deuteronomy six is if you do this, 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 and this, and you catechize for two hours a day, like, you know, and so I realized not only are there only a a handful, literally a handful of things that are specifically covered in scripture about what our responsibility is, but even those things where God's made it clear, these are the things I want for you to do. There is no across the board, hard and fast, like black and white 10 step. This is how it has to look either. You know, and right. when I realized yeah. that I'm telling you, that's so freeing that, Absolutely. and this is why I get fired up. It's like, I've seen that freedom. I've tasted it after having legalism in my past for so long and feeling that heaviness for so long, I've tasted the freedom. And that's what fires me up is I want other moms to taste it because once you do, there's no turning back. It's Amen. so good. There's no Amen. turning back. Take so. the pressure. Oh, yes. Oh, I love it. Rebecca, tell everyone where they can listen to your podcast and get your books and connect with you. Sure. So everything is linked um, on the website. So that's my last name, Hargraves, homeandhearth.com. If you are a social media person, I definitely prefer Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, but (laughs) you'll find me better on Instagram. I'll be there more. Um, So I'm at Rebecca Hargraves on there. The podcast is the Home and Hearth podcast. So it's on iTunes, Stitcher. You can listen to it on the blog if you want to, um, things like that. And then the books, uh, Companion Bible Study, all of that um, is on the website. But I always tell people like, just do the easy thing. You can get it from Amazon. It's fine. (laughs) One stop shop for all the things, you know? Yeah. Yep. I get that. Oh, Rebecca, thanks so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been such a joy. And thank you for watching today. Or thank you for listening today on the Edify Podcast Network. I hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. Oh, hey there, before you go, if something from today's show blessed you, may I ask a huge favor, leave a review on your favorite platform. Seeing your five-star reviews is a huge encouragement to me. Not sure how to do it? You can go to compare to who.me slash podcast, scroll to the bottom, and you'll find all the information. And while you're at compare to who.me, check out some of the more than 500 articles on there about body image, comparison, all the things you're thinking about. Plus, you can take the free body image quiz. You can find out more about my books 
or you can grab a time for a free 10-minute call to see if coaching is right for you. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey out of body image and comparison frustration, and I can't wait to hear how God is working to set you free. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.